hey there, and welcome to the Emergence Community Leaders Podcast, the podcast dedicated to diving deeper into the themes and topics we study each week as we gather together to worship Jesus. Our hope is that this will serve to further equip our church with more insight, context, and background into the weekly sermons and help the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday turn into the application of God's Word in our daily lives and ultimately ending up in the transformation of people in our local communities. Thanks for joining us here today, and let's get started as we dive into this week's discussion. All right, well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to our study through the book of Romans. My name's Alex Hauser, and I'm here together with uh, Doug Becker, our pastor of theology. Good morning, Doug. Top of the uh, afternoon to you. Yeah, top of the. Oh, yeah, it is afternoon. We're a little late today. You've been very busy all day. Yeah, it's, quite, it's been. Our Mondays are crazy. <laughs> we have lots of meetings yeah. on Mondays, and of course, it's snowing again. Doug and I were discussing the uh, the the joys of owning a snowblower. Yeah, and, Alex uh, was saying that like if any of you have any uh, have a lot of accumulation, he'd be happy to come over. <laughs> stop it stop <laughs> it I'm, so i'm the only one that has a snow i bought a snowblower this year and i've been ridiculously excited for it because it's you know we've just we've had more snow this year than we have in, in previous years and i've been putting it off for so long and so long i finally pulled the trigger and and good timing right but i'm the only one on my entire block that owns a snowblower and so when three feet of snow came down i for six hours was outside trying to help get everybody out of the driveway and now, uh, and now I think I've accidentally set an expectation for our block. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping my snowblower dies today. <laughs> I'm not right. going to lie. <laughs> I, I could probably be more loving. I'm out of gas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm out of gas. Well, that's the thing. It has treads. So when it dies on gas, I can't push it home. I have to go get gas. Oh my gosh. And come back. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. All right, man. We, we're uh, changing uh, changing chapters this week. We're jumping into Romans 14. We are. Yay. Yeah. So the big heart of the passage this week, right, is uh, disagreements. And what does it look like for us to walk in disagreements with one another in a way that's loving and unified, especially as Christians? You know, how do we showcase the unity that Christ calls us to uh, when we have disagreements with, uh, with one another. So a couple of quick things before we dive into this um, attendance again, uh, you'll see this under the four leader section here on the discussion guide, please take attendance. If you could, many of you are, thank you so much. It's really very helpful, uh, especially during pandemic times. And then the second piece here is the campus shifts. Obviously there are a lot of announcements that went out this past week. And I know that was uh, shocking for some, uh, for many as well. Uh, it, it tended to be more shocking for Totowa, I think, that um, Glenrock is coming back into our non-portable campus, and then Roxbury is actually going to be church planting. Pastor Kirk is actually going to be planting Commonplace Church, which is really exciting. And so we're praying for them and really excited for them. But obviously, those are big shifts, very, very big shifts. And a lot of folks are still processing through that. We anticipate a lot of folks in your groups are going to have questions. So definitely feel free to reach out to us or, or reach out to your CP, um, whatever, whatever makes the most sense. We're happy to kind of provide some more insight in, in whatever sense that we can. Um, cool. So getting started question here, quick icebreaker. Um, for you, Doug, which would you, what, which universe would you rather have the star Wars universe or the Marvel universe? Uh, like to watch or to live in, this would be to watch, right? I don't know, man. I, I, I thought about it in three different ways for me. It's like, okay, which one would I rather watch? Which one would I rather <laughs> live in? Or if I could only choose one and the other one had to be obliterated from existence, which would I prefer? I feel like there's more good movies in the Marvel universe, but the Star Wars movies that are good are really good. So, yeah, 
Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one for me, but live in, I would definitely rather live in the Marvel universe. I feel really? Like, I would I so like much rather live in the Star Wars universe. I feel Wars like universe. every place on every planet is like poverty stricken in the Star Wars universe. And they're like, it stinks so much. At least everything <laughs> post prequels, you know, they're like, yeah. Yeah. I but, just want, I want to be able to wield a lightsaber and see how quickly it would take for me to accidentally chop off all my limbs. Very quickly. <laughs> There's like, I think someone gets a limb chopped off in every Star Wars almost. Yeah, it's a running joke, actually. And in the games, <laughs> okay. Disney Disney has a very, very strict policy that they will not cut off human limbs or like maim humans because they have kids that watch all their stuff. Oh my and gosh. so it's like a running joke that in none of the game, you can't chop any humans oh, in half. Okay. You can only chop robots or other creatures in half. Yeah, I, I, I could go. I could go on on this. I have other thoughts, but I could uh, too. We, we could just I, record a Star Wars podcast. We man. could. We could. We probably should actually. Yeah. All right, let's press on. Uh, <laughs> refocus our efforts here back on on Romans fourteen. So, in the sermon this week, uh, you know, we I mentioned this already. We were talking about the importance of being able to navigate um, difference of opinion, uh, conflict, and, and and different things. Well, and most particularly. Uh, beliefs on certain issues, right? And so Ryan kind of highlighted that there's there's kind of three tiers, if you will, of of uh, of issues. You know, you've got those that are of first order, second order, and third order, and they're not really held to the same standard. And, and we're speaking specifically in the church, right? So first order issues are, are really the non-negotiable beliefs of the Christian faith, right? It, it's doctrine. These are things that must be believed and understood and and really, um, or done, I guess, to be a Christian, right? To put your faith in Jesus is essential to being a Christian, for example. Could I butt in just real quick? Always, my friend. So, so there are some ethical things that would go in here as well. Um, not that we wouldn't say like you, things like, so like uh, blatant sexual immorality, right? Or, mm. or um, you know, anger and fighting and things like that. And, you know, certain uh, like, gossip and a lot of these are kind of like degrees like how much of that is in your life right but it's like these are things that like there's no wiggle room as to whether or not they're right or wrong sure like Clear. that's yeah Clear yeah 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 cool so in parentheses here you know just you know a small interpretive statement for us to kind of understand this these are things that you you can't deny these and still actually consider yourself a christian right these are the the non-negotiable uh, tenants, if you will, to Christianity. So those are first order issues, right? Mm -hmm. For example, if somebody, you know, if we say that, um, you know, the, the Trinity, right? God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, that's essential to Christianity. We see that in scripture that Jesus was fully man or fully God. That is essential, um, to Christianity. If you don't believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man, you're probably not a Christian. You might call yourself one or consider yourself one, but by what the Bible actually proclaims, you would not be considered a Christian, at least in, in God's eyes, so to speak. Second order issues are things that are, they're kind of outside of that realm of, of these non-negotiable things, um, but they're still very important issues most often that churches really do need to take a position on. And as a Christian, you should have a position on these things. And so, you know, these types of issues will kind of inform uh, or really determine kind of what church uh, that you go to or, or, you know, what church you'll attend or, or so on and so forth. Um, I think Ryan gave a couple examples in the sermon. Yeah, he talked about infant baptism, for example. Um, that's something that we don't practice here as a church. Uh, for us personally, we believe that baptism is a, is a declaration of an inward 
uh, belief, right? So I become baptized in, you know, in the way that the Bible instructs it, because I'm declaring to the world that I am, my faith is in Christ. It's only in him that I have hope. And so, you know, there are a couple other churches that will do that um, with infants and, and basically, you know, and, and feel free to butt in here too, Doug, but they essentially do it with infants saying that we're, we are proclaiming that this child is the Lord's right. So to speak, whereas at our church, we'll do part what of the we covenant community. Yeah. Say that one more time. Doug. Part of the covenant community. It, right. It corresponds right. To, to circumcision in under that mentality. Sure. Um, and that's yeah. a, that's a big can too, right? Cause you know, we can't lump every other variation of this into one into one but just mm -hmm. as 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 far as an example goes yeah um, these are things that are very very important and i feel like the second order issues are the ones that are really going to ruffle everyone's feathers because a lot of people that attend emergence attend emergence because of you know first first and foremost our first order issues but then also because of what we believe and and what we practice in terms of second order issues as well is that fair to say doug do you think yeah although i would want to put a little bit of a caveat on it so um you again like these a typical way that i would think of like what goes into this category are things that churches need to take a stance on which is you know what we have in the study guide here um but i will say that like um you're gonna there's gonna you're gonna have differences between churches some churches have more tolerance for people who um, hold different positions than they do than others. Sure. Uh, and that's going to be a spectrum. And it's not necessarily wrong. And when I say tolerance, I don't mean like they they hate people or they're, <laughs> they're upset at people or anything like that. But in other words, like there's going to be some churches where disagreement on second order issues are, is not cool. And like, it's hard to even be a member there if you disagree about any of these things where there's other churches. And I think emergence kind of slides towards this where, um, you know, we expect a little bit more out of leadership, you know, with yeah. these, like we, we, we really want um, unanimity uh, with leadership, but um, you know, there's people in our church who, you know, disagree with emergences official, like, you know, uh, technical positions on things like spiritual gifts, on you know baptism on on end times stuff yeah, and things times. like that right and there's so different churches will have different leeway with things like this in this bucket you could also put the um specific very specific questions regarding the sovereignty of god and salvation right like the predestination uh, unconditional election uh questions and things like that so yeah um yeah. there's yeah churches are going to differ as to how you know how pliable second order issues are but they're still second order issues. And most churches with their heads on straight will acknowledge that these are second order things. Of course, like most, yeah. most, most, um, uh, you know, infant baptizing churches will not anathematize uh, Baptist churches. Right. 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 Now, uh, you know, I always use the end times one as an example, right? So believing that Jesus is coming back at the end of the age to, to judge all, the whole world, you know, that the judgment is coming, that's first order. <laughs> That's something that we very clearly see in scripture and Jesus teaches all throughout, mm -hmm. all throughout the Bible. Right now to look at revelation, for example, and, you know, talking about premillennial or postmillennial or amillennial or pre-trib or post-trib or all of these different things. It's like, those are, I, I don't know if they're second, maybe they're secondhand. I think they are secondhand. I'm in my mind, they're either second or third. Yeah, right? I, I'd consider them second. Sure. So there's a, there's an example for you. Like as a church, you should have a statement upon those things. And I know other churches, Bible believing churches, gospel proclaiming churches that have a very particular stance 
And in order to be a member at that church, right. you must acknowledge that stance. In order for membership. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So um, that's, it's just a good example. Like that yeah, might help you determine will, what church that you want to go to. Churches will sometimes do that with creationism as well. You know, mm. like they'll put in their core doctrinal statement, a commitment to literal seven day creation, just real quick on, on end time stuff. So it, I would personally categorize this as a second order issue, although emergence does not have official, an official stance on premillennial versus amillennial versus post-millennial. And if those terms are strange to you, check out on our YouTube channel, the discussion I did this winter on the return of Christ and judgment. But what emergence's stance tends to be is that, is that the, is that scripture is what I would say, what emergence's position on this is, is that things lean in the direction of a premillennial return of Christ, but um, that the scriptures prevent us from be, aren't so clear that we can be dogmatic on that issue. Mm, so so almost our stance would almost be don't insist on a position. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yep. Now, Doug, if folks wanted to read our first order issues, they can check that out in our doctrinal statement, correct? Yes. Where could they find that? Um, uh, right on our website. Um, the I think it's the about us tab. Uh, and then, you know, I think it's a what we believe uh, kind of thing. And then if you want to the extended uh, explanation, again, just uh, check out, um, you know, our YouTube channel or, or Facebook, although Facebook, I don't think has the final one on, but all, all my discussions from this winter are up there. Yeah. yeah so it's hard to navigate yeah. Facebook, but if you do go to the emergence, uh, emergence church, YouTube channel, you can check out all those things. Doug did a phenomenal job really navigating yeah. through. I just put them into the playlists too and oh, nice. titled them a little bit better. So Great. So those are available. You can check them out on the website or on YouTube. And then uh, certainly check out our our doctrinal statement as well. If you want to know what the hard and fast things are that uh, we believe uh, together as a church. So a couple questions for us here. To, oh, I'm sorry. And lastly, we're third order issues, right? So these are really just things of, of conscience, right? Of how God's led you to yeah. um, think on these things that are not as central or as important as first or second order issues. Um, and honestly, you will come to emergence and you will find many, many others that differ on these issues. You know, yep. for example, whether to eat meat or not eat meat, you know, I've got some really, I, I, I am a meat eater. <laughs> I have some really close friends of mine that are believers that are vegetarian and by all means, you know what I mean? We, we, uh, we agree on all things concerning Christ and the gospel. Um, and they make some great points as to why they're vegetarian, but personally for me, it's different, right? That's I have just, ethical issues against eating vegetables. No, do you? <laughs> uh, I have I an ethical want... issue. I have an ethical issue with, uh, with balsamic vinegar. I think it's the oh, worst man. thing. The worst smell. Balsamic mushrooms. <laughs> um, yes. That will kill me. Yeah. That will, so, that will destroy um, I do me. at this point, I want to, uh, I don't usually make a lot of book recommendations, but there's a really good book on this topic. Um, the authors are a Andrew Naselli, N-A-S-E-L-L-Y, and J.D. Crowley, and the book is called Conscience, What It Is, How to Train It, and Loving Those Who Differ. It's a pretty quick read. It's about 140 pages, and it's very, very helpful. And um, in discussing these third-order issues, I'm just going to bat out their list, which is kind of interesting and just kind of will broaden your mind as to some of the things that um, you know, could be brought up in this discussion with your group. So watching mixed martial arts for entertainment, 
how to treat Sundays, listening to secular music, dressing modestly, capitalism versus socialism, fair trade coffee, global warming, watching particular movies or TV shows, playing video games, reading Harry Potter, ladies wearing makeup, um, homeopathic medicine versus antibiotics, uh, vaccinations, uh, public school versus private school versus private Christian school versus homeschool. Um, and then there's like at least like a dozen more that they list here. These are all, I think vaccinations I threw in there. Um, I, I, I would have thrown like, it in there too, man. You're going to trigger a bunch of people. Smoke, smoking cigar. Well, that's the thing is that like, is that the nature of this is that these issues. Did you throw those. MMA in there too, just to poke me? No, that's it. That was in there, but oh, I mean, really? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I would add just like watching things that are kind of like violent by nature that have a sure. violent aspect to them. And of being entertained by them, you know, and there's uh, mm. different, there's obviously a large discussion there behind it. And mm. the purpose is not to, as Paul says here, not to gather together to quarrel over opinions, but to gather together as to think of how to, how to, how to love one another through disagreements. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So question number one, we kind of answered, <clears throat> you know, what are some examples of things that might fall into each of these categories? Number two, give an example of an issue that you feel Christians may disagree over in regard to which category it falls into. And in such cases, what are the typical reasons for those disagreements? Uh, we'll jump into that in a sec. Number three, why do you think we are so prone to becoming divisive when it comes to discussing these things? Number four, Ryan mentioned the importance of conscience and how that plays into the way we think about these issues. Do you think it's a good idea to always trust our conscience? Why or why not? And what are some good purposes that are served by the fact that we're equipped with a conscience? And what does it mean for a Christian to really improve upon his or her conscience? And, and how do we do this? Um, so Doug, you know, take a stab, you know, a lot of questions there, obviously they're geared to getting some conversation going. We already named a couple of those categories, but what are some things that you think Christians in particular fall into disagreement about? I mean, a lot of the things that we just mentioned, uh, I think the big one, obviously, that's always uh, the big shark in the waters right now is politics. And yeah. um, do we have an ethical obligation to vote a certain way or another? And, um, you know, um, yeah, so so I think I think politics, obviously, is the big one. Uh, and I guess this kind of gets related to question two. So if I if I may, um I think uh, the question here is like, so you've got your second and third order and maybe even first order things, right? And Christians will not only disagree over the things in those categories, but also your position on them might dictate what category you put them in. Mm. So for example, think about a disagreement over evolution. Okay. Sure. So a Christian who, so take those who believe in a literal uh, six day creation and those who believe in that, you know, Genesis one is kind of like uh, an ahistorical text that kind of like symbolically portrays theological truths, but isn't giving us real history. Okay. Sure. Now, one of the reasons you might be a literal six day creationist is because you believe that biblical inerrancy hinges on it, that to, that, that to think anything other than that, you're denying the plain teaching of the first chapter of the Bible. Well, if that's what you think the implication is, then you're going to rank that a lot higher. You're going to put that in, in a second and maybe even a first order um, uh, position, as opposed to if you're like, ah, it's, you know, I think it, it could very well be figurative there. You're not going to care as much about that. Right. Mm. Um, similar thing. You know, I just mentioned, I just mentioned politics, right? Like if you're super convinced that like the Christians number one ethical fight has to be abortion, 
then, you know, essentially you're saying that like, you know, we're, you know, we're no we're, Christian can be Democrat, essentially. Right. That that any that 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 settles it. And and it's and if you vote, if you vote that way, then you're condoning or supporting the murder of innocent children. And I'm not saying this to weigh in one way or another. All I'm saying is that if that's how you feel about it, like, you know, then then you're going to place that at a, at a higher level than someone who's like, you know, for one reason or another, does not feel the same way. Um, uh, and it's kind of leads into question three here a little bit, you know, like this there's mm-hmm. a lot of division that stems from things like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, let's take the evolution, the evolutionary one, or the or the six day creation, for example. Uh, I'm sorry, I say evolution because I always lump them in together. But let's take let's take six day creation, right? You're going to have people all over the map. You're going to have folks that walk up and say, "Well, I believe in the biblical in- inerrancy of Scripture." which I do personally, you know what I mean? And I'm going to look at, and, and someone will look at that and say, well, that means literally six days and, and rested on the seventh. And others will look at that and say, well, I believe in biblical inerrancy. And I look at that and it may be six literal days, or it might be six periods of time, you, you right. know, one right. or the other. Some, and yeah. and some from that, issue of, some see it as an issue of inerrancy and some see it as an issue of interpretation. Right, exactly. And there are dangerous slopes on all sides, right? And this is where we really need to be careful because if you see that as a point of biblical inerrancy, you are very quickly, if you put that into a first order issue, you're very quickly going to create something where in order for somebody to be a Christian, they must believe this first before they can, before they can really even interpret the gospel. And that gets dangerous very, very quickly, right? You, we, you cannot put any object before Jesus, like, First and foremost, Jesus calls us to come as we are, as we are, regardless of what it is that we're doing or regardless of our sin or where we're at or what we believe to come as we are to the cross of Christ. And you should be careful in, in those right. senses. And on the other side, the same thing. Well, if you look at that and you interpret and you interpret those six days to be figurative, like they may be six ages or they may be, you know, six whatevers, then you need to be careful that because you see that as figurative, that you just don't start doing everything figurative. It's like, ah. Eh, was Jesus yeah. really fully God right. or was he really just a nice philanthropist? Well, that's you know? the concern there, right? That's yeah. the concern. And there's a reason why a lot of this, um, these hardening of categories coincided with a lot of the early debates with theological liberalism, mm. uh, because you had a lot of people doing just that and you still do. Um, yeah, yeah. I run and, into and, it a lot. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just to like putting stuff in front of core doctrinal issues, like even simply saying like, there's something seriously deficient with your Christianity if you don't think the way that I do about A, B, or C issues. Mm. You know, so like even if it's even if you're still ranking those and can acknowledge that these aren't core doctrinal things, like the amount of flexibility of the amount of inability that you have to um, see a, the legitimacy of another person's opinion. And we talk later in this about like assuming good faith of other people and just, you know, not you know, just because I think differently of this, then you're like, there's some serious moral problem with you. That might very well be the case. <laughs> but like, maybe, maybe I think something because I'm a coward or because I'm, you know, I'm not following Jesus and I'm ignoring something that he, but that's, you shouldn't just assume that just because a person disagrees with you on an issue that's not top tier, that that's necessarily what's going on. 
Right. Now, you know, for example, like we're talking about, like Doug, if you and I agree, I want to live in Star Wars universe, you want to live in Marvel universe. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of what it is we think or feel or believe and, and however we reason with one another, we will still be able to celebrate those things together in heaven with Jesus and we can continue the conversation. Like yeah. they do not play on someone's salvation. You know what I mean? And it's clear with some of these issues that we cannot turn important things you know, not, not the Marvel Star Wars conversation, but other things, important things into God things. There will be many, many people, Republican and Democrat together with Christ after the judgment. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's important for us to understand that. And it really should influence as well, how we walk with one another. And, and I think that's the harder part, right? Is if it, a lot of times we turn an issue into a bigger thing because we personally feel so strongly for it, right? Very, very strongly for it. And because of, like, let's take the, take vaccines, for example, I'm not going to go into, you know, just let's take the coronavirus vaccine. Cause that one's the most recent, right? There's many people in our church that are strongly for the vaccine. And there's many people in our church that are strongly against the vaccine. Okay. It neither choice, regardless of, you know, where you fall on that spectrum, so to speak, will affect your salvation, okay? So we cannot turn that into a first order issue. It's not. Yeah. The and question comes, yeah. how do, I'm sorry, Doug, go ahead. No, go for it. I was just gonna say, the question comes, how do we engage with one another? How do mm. we walk with one another in the diversity of opinion when it comes to some of these smaller issues? And, and Doug, you pointed out specifically, there's a little leader's note on this first page on the discussion guide that says, make sure that your group understands that these issues Paul is addressing in our passage this week deal with third order issues. So maybe some second ones, you know, but you know, these questions are a little ambiguous and, and there's an understandable disagreement, level of disagreement within the church. And so they are not clear doctrinal or ethical commands. Mm. That's important to understand for this passage this week. Yeah. Um, I think the trickiest thing about this, well, no, probably not a tricky thing in this passage. Okay. Is the fact that Paul lumps Sabbath seems to be lumping Sabbath observance in there. Okay. And um, you know, I've uh, you know, obviously, I've kind of gone back and forth on my position on this and uh, I do feel pretty confident now confident enough to have written a blog post on our website on it. But um, it's interesting because here, because um, like, in other words, he's talking, he's clearly talking about like Jewish kind of issues, right? Like that's why he later on in the chapter, uh, like in next, in next week's thing, he starts referring to st stuff as clean and unclean, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are clearly like Torah categories. And so when he's talking about one day as better than another, like it's almost, it's very, very difficult to argue that he doesn't have the Sabbath in mind there. Okay. And one of the tricky things is that the, the um, you know, people who feel strongly that we need to be, you know, observant of a, of a certain day of the week and, you know, here's what you can and cannot do, right? The, what the way that they will argue is, well, this is one of the 10 commandments. And, you know, if we're not doing that, so like Paul seems to be placing a 10 command, a t one of the 10 commandments in this category. And um, all I would, I mean, maybe I'm creating more problems by mentioning this than I, that, but you know, if you, if you want a more full orb thing, just read what I, what I wrote on that. And if you have any questions, you could definitely, uh, you definitely email me, but I would just say that the fact that Paul is able to place the Sabbath in uh, the observance of a special day inside that bucket um, of, of um, should inform where our position should be on it. 
Sure. Like if, if my understanding of how that works out in Christian life, uh, you know, is, is, is in disagreement where with, where with Paul seems to stand on it. I'm, there's probably something wrong with my, how I'm putting these things together. Right. Um, right. So again, there's a lot more that could be said about that specific issue, but that's definitely in terms of interpretation of this of this passage, I could see that being maybe a, a challenging thing for for some folks in your group. Yeah, fair. Now, Doug, I, I want to talk about the conscience piece here a little bit because I, I, I you know, even with these questions, there's. I guess there's a possibility for people to kind of go off the rails a little bit because, oh, I did that in my, in, in good conscience. Right. And I don't want this to become accidentally interpretive for each person's, you know, personal view on it. You know what I mean? Cause there's people that do really evil things and they're perfectly all right with it in their conscience. You know what I mean? And so yeah. let's dive into this a little bit. So Ryan mentioned the importance of conscience and really how that plays in the way we think about these things is it a good idea to always trust our conscience? Why or why not? Mm. What do you think? Uh, in general, it's a good idea to trust your conscience. So the one of the, if I could just spoiler alert on chat on question five here, one of the good purposes of having a conscience is that you don't have to be a biblical scholar uh, every time you have to make an ethical decision. And we're called to make many in our lives. Right. And so I know for me, like, if I'm like, is it right or wrong to do this? Like, I don't need a Bible verse to know that it's not right for me to like speak in anger towards my children and like, you like verbally, uh, you know, berate them or something, you know, um, or, uh, you know, we're homeschooling today. So that's the example that immediately comes to mind. Um, but, uh, yeah. We'll talk so after this stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's, I mean, God, the Lord has, and there's other purposes, um, such as making us aware of his law, making us aware that we fall short. Like anyone who's honest with their conscience should mm. probably realize that they fall short of what, of, of, of what is morally right. And, um, so there's kind of like a little bit of a natural theology thing going on there as well, but it, um, it's not always in general, it's, safe to listen to your conscience, but you have to combine that with the fact that my conscience is also twisted and corrupted by sin. Right. And so not everything that seems to me more morally intuitively right, like it could be owing to a whole lot of things. I mean, I think we could all cite a lot of examples in our current culture, right? Where we live in a in an insanely moralistic culture where almost everything like you read and hear on the news is is colored with like you know, this, this moralistic attitude. And uh, that's not to say that we're not called to make moral judgments about things, but that's how it is. But, you know, uh, and so we, we live in, we're, we're constantly being, being fed the, the porridge of the culture, as opposed to the meat of the word of God. And um, our conscience can be shaped then on the moral evaluations of people who do not know God. And I need to be aware of that that some of the things that I think are right, maybe aren't right. And maybe I'm getting that somewhere else than what the Lord wants to, than, 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 than the Lord. Maybe I'm getting that from the fact that like, this is a super, super popular view with the people I follow on Twitter mm -hmm. um, or, or um, so we, or, or, or the things that I think are wrong, you know, maybe, maybe those aren't really, uh, maybe that's not really how how the, how God evaluates that, or maybe I, there needs to be a big question mark and a hmm, I don't know. So, generally, good idea to follow your conscience, but you have to couple that 
with the idea that your conscience can be wrong and it can be corrupted by a whole lot of other things as well. Like the, like I'm capable of searing my own conscience by, you know, desensitizing it by um, all kinds of uh, suppressing it just because I'm so suppressing it because I just want to do what I want to do. So yeah. Jiminy cricket is not always the most helpful guy. Yeah. But he can get you out of things in a pinch. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't make you a real boy though. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this, Doug. Um, you know, while you were saying that, I, I was thinking about this. This happened this past week. So um, I'm deciding how much I want to say. I was in, I was in a cafe um, hanging out and getting some work done. And a good friend of mine, really, really good friend of mine, somebody that I, I care a lot about, not a Christian, um, but a good friend of mine, was sitting down and we were just having a discussion and it turned to, toward the idea of abortion. And he was talking about how he doesn't understand the push against abortion and for, and in his mind, why it's the most reasonable thing to do in our country, because if there's less children, there's less children starving. If there's less children that are being born, you know, it, it doesn't help, you know, make the family situation harder or make our situation harder as a country. And it was crazy because I'm sitting in the cafe and there was probably 10 or 12 people, like a part of this conversation that all really agreed with him. And in my heart, I was just like, I was weeping. It, it was killing me to the point where I had, I had to speak up, like at least to offer, you know, what I believe is a more biblical perspective on that. And we had a, we had a really good conversation. You know, my goal in that, obviously knowing that I'm talking to a lot of non-Christians, my goal is to help provide an alternative, an alternative view for people to look at and see and something I believe is more is is more closely aligned to God's heart that every child is made in the image of God and therefore has eternal uh, worth and value and dignity and that we can't make decisions for it. You know, I, I won't go down you know the can of worms. You and I, Doug, actually discussed this on a theology Thursday. If you if you guys want to listen to that a little bit more, but like it's it was crazy to me that you know my conscience was screaming because i i can't sit here quietly and allow this to go on i i i must speak up and at the same time there's 10 people sitting around me who in good conscience have very you know quote unquote strong and logical arguments for why abortion could be a good thing and i'm like i remember sitting there thinking like this is this is the this is our culture this is the logic of our culture this is the power of you know the prince of the powers of the air right you know the the enemy at work and convincing people in their own mind of what's right and logical which is against god's heart well good for you for speaking up on that um and for doing it in a that sounds like a very positive way to make the case mm. you know? That's my mission field. You know, I'm, I'm in there every day. And so I, you know, I care about the people that are there and and, uh, (laughs) I'd be looking for a nice way to say like any argument that can justify serial murder probably isn't a good ethical guide. That's why you're probably were better at that conversation than I would have been, but (laughs) God be praised, man. It's all, it's all his work. I was just, the way I see it, man, is I just need to talk, just talk and and let God do the speaking. And even if it's the worst, God can still use it, you know, but Mm -hmm. in any case, you know, getting back to the point at hand, understanding our conscience is, is, is important. It is not always right to simply allow our conscience to be the, you know, the compass, so to speak. It's, we, we can't always just trust our conscience. 
And with that, I'll also put another caveat too, is a lot of people will interpret their conscience as their feelings, okay? And feelings can be a very, very bad source of truth. We can feel certain ways about certain things and they may or not may or may not be aligned with God's heart and God's will. So just be careful with that. You know, truth yeah. is truth. The way we feel about truth is, is less important. Okay. Yeah. There, which proverb is it that says uh, there's a way that seems right to man, but in its end, it's, it's the road that leads to death. Yes, exactly. You know? I, I'm not sure what proverb that is. I'm sure I just butchered it. So good luck Googling that. <laughs> All right. We'll press on. I'll, I'll Google it in a little bit. Um, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, Doug. I wanted to ask you this too. What does it mean for a Christian to improve upon his or her conscience? What does that mean? And how do we do that? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is, uh, it means staying open-minded to the, like, when it's clear that there's, that there are good, faithful, Bible-believing Christians who disagree with you on a matter, then obviously there's only so many hours in the day and we only have so much bandwidth. It's not like we can look into everything. Right. But like when you identify an issue like that, like it's worth like almost like being your own best, worst mental, uh, harshest mental critic and just being able to question, you know, is it does uh, does it make sense that I hold this? Um, what are the real reasons why I hold this? What does the Bible actually say about this? And and trying to refine it that way, I think, is is a really good thing. I think also um, there's a less cerebral way to really help our consciences, which sometimes gets overlooked because we can make this into an issue where it's like just simply about getting questions right. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of examples in our society where we could be blind to the plights of other people. Mm. And just because I don't experience a certain kind of oppression or a certain kind of, uh, a certain kind of hardship, you know, if I don't feel it, nobody else does, you know? And so there's, there's a part of my conscience that could really be formed too by just listening to the experience and, and, and that other people have um, whose, um, whose lives might be a lot different than I do. And because conscience is not only like what moral things do I think are bad, but also, also like what is worth giving my attention to what is worth caring about and things like that and so opening your heart to things that you know you don't normally care about or you're not inclined to care about and really trying to be empathetic mm. and not to go first why someone's right or wrong um can be very helpful mm. uh, again it's got to be balanced with discernment uh, but uh yeah i think we would all do well from that. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, that's the, f that's the first third. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right, let's try to, we'll try to speed it up here a little bit more. Um, our second section here, extending charity and good faith. Uh, we're going to jump into Romans 14, uh, first three verses. And then the second three verses, I'll just read the whole thing for us here. Uh, Romans 14, one reads as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and not, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord Jesus is able to make him stand. 
one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So uh, Paul is just trying to put some of these things in perspective for us here uh, and lay them out for the church. So a couple questions. Number six, what do you think Paul means by referring to the different parties here as weak um, and strong in the faith. And number seven, uh, in verse three, Paul's talking about the temptation for the strong to despise the weak and for the weak to pass judgment on the strong. What might this look like in respect to some of the second or third handed issues that we were talking about earlier? So, um, Doug, what, why is Paul using these words? Why is he referring to different parties as weak and strong? All right. So it's not a hundred percent clear exactly what the situation is that he's addressing. Okay. I think the best are the best reconstruction that I have seen is something along the lines of this. So we all know that Christianity actually started as a movement within Judaism. It's basically the Messiah is here and the Gentiles are welcome. Everybody's in this family on the basis of faith in Christ, apart from works of the law. Um, and so, but being, a, 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 having strong roots in the Jewish community, right, you've got a lot of things that were central to people's identity as the people of God. And now the gospel comes in and it's like, it's not defined by what days you keep. It's not def defined by what part of your body is cut off and it's not defined on, uh, uh, on, on what you, what you eat or, or anything like that. It's, it's faith in Jesus. And, um, and now, if you're Jewish and you're living in um, uh, a city like Rome, then you have to go, you have to make sure that you're eating food that is kosher, that conforms to the kashrut laws. And, and uh, um, so it's going to be animals that have had their blood drained property, et cetera, et cetera, right, that haven't been in contact with bad things. Um, well, in Rome, the situation is com compounded because uh, in AD 49, uh, Claudius expels a large number of Jewish people there. And actually, the historian Suetonius tells us it was over controversy regarding, quote unquote, Crestus. And most people think he got Doug. that wrong. And he's actually Christos. I need you to reel this in a little bit. Buddy. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So at any rate, so um, basically they're living in a pagan culture. And the, the, mm. the, the thing is, is this is not the easiest meat to get. Mm. And so Christians are like, well, that doesn't, stuff doesn't matter anymore. Let's just eat whatever. And of course, the Gentiles have an easier time saying that because they're not former Jewish people. Right. Whereas, right. Ju whereas Jewish people have always taken the example of Daniel in Babylon, right? I'm going to eat, if I don't know where this stuff is coming from, if it's not, if I don't know that, that it's clean food, then I'm just going to eat vegetables and I'm just going to drink water. And so that's where this eating and drinking likely came from. So, um, so the, so those who understand the implications of faith in Christ, that we're not, that we, we live by the spirit and not the law, which doesn't mean that like uh, morals are just willy nilly, whatever we think is right. But, but rather that like our purity before God is not determined by what we eat. Um, those are going to be the strong. Those are the people whose consciences have been made strong by the gospel, and they have a little bit of a tougher skin. Whereas those who are weak are the ones who have a hard time coming to grips exactly with all with their freedom in Christ, and are able to, you know. So you think today, like it's the difference between um, a Christian who can, uh, you know, hang out with somebody who another Christian maybe who's smoking, or a Christian 
who can have a cigar and a Christian who's super scandalized by it. That again, that's not to say that some guys are like, no, it's right for me to leave this alone. Then yeah, you should leave it alone. But the, the, the real question I think is how scandalized by the behavior of other people are you? And so those are like the weak and the strong in this passage. Sure. Kind of almost like recognizing a little bit, you know, if I have the, you know, the creation day thing that we were talking about before, if you've got somebody that insists that it, the language there is figurative and holds that up strongly versus somebody else that really believes that it's six literal days, whichever of the two, you know, is basically saying, well, at the end, at the end of the day, you're still my brother in Christ or sister in Christ. You know what I mean? There's a stronger faith there versus a weaker faith of of holding that up. And there's a possibility, as he says here, for real quarreling of opinions. In fact, I like how he puts it, right? Like welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions because like, I think of like, you know, think of the mentality, right? Like you, 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 like when you're hanging out with somebody just chilling with someone, you know, disagrees with a big juicy topic that you love. Like, I can't wait to talk about this with this person, you know? And, and Paul's basically like, well, you know, there's probably more important things in the kingdom of God than quarrel, especially if it becomes a quarrel, you know, there's one thing about a discussion. There's another thing about a quarrel. So yeah, um, I think that's what weak and strong is. And I'll just one last caveat there is it's not always clear which position occupies a weak part, a weak point and which occupies a strong point. Mm. Um, Sometimes it is, sometimes it's less clear, Uh, but I don't know if we should obsess over those categories. And so you can rightly see in verse seven, the attitudes, right? So the person who believes that that uh, uh, the, the, the strong person has the temptation to despise the weak, uh, like what a, you know, what a wet behind the ears uh, person who hasn't really thought things through. They don't understand. They're ignorant. Um, and whereas the, whereas the weak person, their temptation is to pass judgment, right? Like, oh, why are you, look, a friend of tax collectors, a, a glutton and a drunkard, you know, um, the, it's the weak conscience versus the, but those are totally like the attitudes we have towards one another, judgmentalism and uh, almost like condescension or, or despising others. Sorry, I keep putting my uh, I keep putting my microphone on mute because my wife's actually in the room, just the next room teaching uh, voice lessons, I think, or a music nice. class. So I'm <laughs> trying to keep myself on mute when I can. Um, all right, Doug, last thing here uh, for us really is, is talking about this idea of being fully convinced in our own mind, right? So in verse five, you know, Paul's saying that we should be fully convinced. What does this really mean? Because I, I know in the sermon, Ryan was talking about this a little bit more where, you know, this is another thing you should be careful of because there are ways that you can end up being fully convinced that really aren't, you know, either helpful or honoring to God. And so, you know, what does that look like in in the best way? And what does that look like in the worst way? Right. Yeah. And this is very similar, I think, to that conscience question. Like, what is the reason why I actually hold what I hold? Um, Is it, is it for biblical reasons? Is it because, um, you know, I've, 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 I've come at this with an open mind or am I just caving to social pressure? Am I just, uh, and it can be that it, it could be from conservative or liberal sides, right? That you could become uh, uh, caved to social pressure, right? Like I want everyone in my church to like me, or I want everyone in the culture to like me, you know? And so that, that would be an example of a bad reason to be fully convinced of something, or maybe I'm just lazy and I'm just going to say, I, I think whatever he thinks. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, like if you could think of somebody <laughs> who 
like you think what he thinks about everything or she thinks about everything, chances are you may be running afoul of this. Yeah. But I think the idea, the idea here too, is that like, there is an issue of conscience here in that, like, if I'm going to conduct myself and say, I believe things in a way, but I'm not really convinced of them, then, you know, some of it might, there might be some sin creeping in there. Like this idea of like anyone who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it for him, it's sin. A la James. Um, I think like that, that could be part of that, this as well, that you're not fully convinced and yet you're just doing this anyway. No, if you're taking a stance, know why you take it, love people who disagree, but know why you take that stance. Mm. And be humble enough as well to, you know, like we talked about earlier, to really go back and revisit that and make sure that, you know, that there is an, there is a humility there to allow scripture to correct you, you know? Yeah. In all things. Last part here is kind of, uh, we titled it living unto the Lord, the last three verses, you know, in what way does the reminder of our accountability before God help us to navigate these issues of conscience with the church and maybe give an example of a practical issue that you personally struggle with because of a disagreement over your own conscience and how can you better navigate that issue in light of, uh, kind of what we talked about this week. So, uh, leave it on, on two practical questions. And then lastly, a couple, you know, a couple prayers for us, you know, first pray that God would give us the maturity, uh, first and foremost to discern between first, second, and third handed issues, and that we would be able to navigate these things well, especially with people that disagree with us, um, and, and learn to love one another, learn to uh, agree <laughs> in my head. I'm hearing agree to disagree <laughs> from uh, anchorman, but, um, learn how to walk with each other in love and grace, you know what I mean? And welcome them forward. There, there are some things that are far more important in the, in the long, in the long scheme of things, uh, than, than some of these smaller issues. And so just praying that you guys have a, a great discussion this week, praying that, you know, really that this week would make us a little bit more humble, especially with the political climate that's around us, especially with so much or the actual climate or the actual climate. Yeah. The actual climate too. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, my wife and I were praying about that this week. You know, we've been in the house together for like the first time you know, 24 seven since we've been married, like this is the first time. And, and it was funny because we kind of had pray to navigate for, pray for Kristen. Yeah. But yeah. Pray for my poor wife. Um, but we were kind of navigating that too. You know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden things that never really mattered before matter. And so how do we navigate this well, loving each other and, and continue to show one another grace and patience um, and really be able to approach one another and call each other out with a, with a higher calling to love one another. Well, right. Well, just praying that you guys have a great conversation. Doug, as always, thank you so much, man, for all that you do for this church. You are a blessing, my friend, and, and I sincerely appreciate the way that you study and, and, uh, and, and put all that forward for us to follow along and, and really think well upon these things that we discuss each week. We appreciate you, Alex. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Have a great week, you guys. Looking forward to talking with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.